You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Welcome back to Sprott Money News. This is your Sprott Money News Weekly Wrap-Up for the last week of July 2016. It's July the 29th. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. Uh, I'm checking in uh, today from uh, northern B.C., I've been up to the Yukon and northern BC to look at some uh, mining operations, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back into uh, you know a little more organized civilization. But uh, it's been fun uh, looking around in the uh, middle of nowhere. So I'm happy to be with you. Eat something other than fish for a few days, maybe. <laughs> well, we were out fishing yesterday. I actually, caught some uh, some interesting salmon and halibut. So that was a successful end to our excursion out here. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, it's a rather interesting end of the week. I can tell you that. It is Friday morning and about 20 minutes ago, we just got the first guesstimate of GDP here in the U.S. And while all of the eight-figure economists were expecting 2.5% growth, it came in at just 1.2%, Eric. Gold's up about 8 or $9 on the news. What do you make of that? Well, as you know, Craig, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I've never believed in the economic recovery or so-called recovery. And, of course, I know we, we all know that GDP data can be messed around with. Uh, we had some new inclusions for the categories that weren't included before that caused it to go a little higher. Of course, we got all these. This health care is a big, big part of GDP. And for my money, health care isn't productive, okay? I mean, you spend more in health care, but I, as a society, are we any healthier? I don't think so. So I don't really see any net benefit from that, but it, yet it goes in the GDP. And most of the sort of underlying proxies for um, true economic growth have been very, very weak uh, and negative. So, you know, all these suggestions that we have, you know, we're going to hit escape velocity, which we haven't done for over a decade, that just never manifest themselves. So uh, I'm the least surprised guy in the world that the numbers have come in what they I don't even believe the numbers to start off with. And they'll probably be changed over 10 times. So all you got to do is look at things like, you know, car loadings and car sales and power consumption and things like that that are um, a tax, uh, tax receipts is a great one, by the way, didn't to see what the real underlying economy is like. And it hasn't been robust. No, it hasn't. And it certainly sets the stage for uh, what should be a rebound in August. One would think after the FOMC statement this week and with, Hardly any economic growth. We sh- probably shouldn't be expecting any higher rates out of the Fed anytime soon, should we? No, I, I kind of look good, even though I'm a little distant from the market and wasn't able to uh, stay abreast of it as much as I would like to. It was sort of interesting that post-FOMC, when the Fed did nothing, which everyone kind of imagined, with this huge spurt in um, uh, gold and particularly silver. I mean, silver was the uh, the real star of the, the week when it rose that, I think it was like 70 cents on Wednesday. Um, and, and, of course, it was showing signs of hanging in there, way more than gold. And between gold and silver, they must both be kind of right out, right at those breakout points of 13, near 1350 and, and 2050. And so, uh, you know, everything seems to hold together. Uh, we have continual um, uh, fiscal nonsense and, and, um, and monetary nonsense all over the world. We have the ridiculous situation going on in uh, Turkey, a ridiculous situation in Venezuela. I mean, I don't know who's next, but somebody's actually had a huge problem with the uh, the stress test of the European banks. Now, I, 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 it's supposed to come out today. I have not seen it from where I am. 
but I still believe that that Italian banking situation looks very, very tenuous. And of course, there's some suggestion that maybe even the Portuguese banks uh, may have some difficulty with those tests, but I haven't seen them and can't comment on them. But we all know the banks are massively over leveraged, which has always been the fundamental problem that we have in markets is just the over leverage of banks and the poor quality of the credits they have. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Speaking of the banks, those that deal on the COMEX seem to be having a little challenging summer, don't they? <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's just stunning. The uh, resolve of the commercials to be short uh, gold and silver, and uh, there could be a real big eye-opener here. I mean, they have a massive position. Uh, the metals don't seem to want to tr- uh, trade down. They, they, tr- they, they close pretty well, of course, for... Uh, uh, for the uh, U.S. banks for uh, options expiring on Tuesday, which was the low. Uh, that seems to happen all the time. And, of course, options expiring in um, the LBMA was, I think, this morning around 6 a.m. our time. And um, But the European option guys must have uh, taken a bit of a hit here. The uh, North American guys probably did okay because they pushed uh, silver down to probably around 1950 and gold down to 13.50 or something. Right after auction expiry, of course, they go back up, which is the typical pattern that we see. So we could get a bit of a run here for a couple of weeks if we can get auction expiry out of the way. Uh, as always, it's interesting to see the COD report and just who did what to whom here. But the open interest in these things is exploding. Um, the physical demand by the ETFs uh, can be erratic. But, boy, when, it, when they start piling into gold, there's some big tonnage. Uh, that goes in there very, very quickly. And uh, i got to believe that the investment buying is going to tip the scale uh, this year to a huge deficit in gold. So we have that to look forward to. Let me just lay something on you for a second, Eric, and just get your and it's just your first thing that comes to mind. Uh, the open interest in Comex Silver hit a new all-time high yesterday at 223, or actually this would be uh, back on Wednesday, at 223,000 contracts. That's almost 1.2 billion ounces of paper silver and about a hundred and fifty percent of what the free world produces annually if if agricultural companies like say archers daniels midland were short a hundred and fifty percent of the corn supply do you think that would be acceptable <laughs> well that's the funny part craig i mean silver is that that very unusual commodity that where we love to have these distortions that are so uh you know out of this world sizes I mean, I don't know how it happens, and uh, you all know, just shake your head all the time. And there's many other things we could talk. To. We could talk to the fact that the silver production in the world is about 11 times the size of the gold production, but the price is 164th of the gold price, which is ridiculous. And all the silver that's produced has been consumed over time, other than a little bit, whereas most of the gold still is sitting around. So uh, there's some huge anomalies in silver. I continue to believe that we'll get back to 15 to 1, even though today we're at 64 to 1, which implies a 300% gain, other things being equal, these are the gold. So it just has to happen, and uh, this this logjam of paper supply will be broken someday, and uh, there's lots of signs that it could be very, very imminent here. It looks like the um, nominations for gold uh, for the month of August are going to be incredibly high. The deliveries for July... We're unbelievable. Yep. So we got some interesting things going on in the 
physical delivery side of things. Hey, historic levels uh, that were on the COMEX that we've never seen before, and it does look to continue to August, uh, which is a really remarkable development. We're going to be talking about you and I all through the month. Uh, you did mention to me earlier, though, before we got started, that one of the things you like to do is pour over the financial statements of some of the big uh, mining companies and some of the smaller mining companies. That is your area of expertise. So you got a couple of things that have caught your eye recently. Anything you'd like to share with us? Sure. Well, I decided I wanted to look at just the earnings reports of some of the big companies just to relate it to other things. I, n- I would never invest in a big company because you're not nearly the torque that I seem to like to have in my portfolio. But it kind of stunned me when I looked at Newmont's report and I realized, oh, my God, these guys only make 2% return on equity. And then I looked at Barrick, and they, they make about a, a 3% return on the capital that they've raised uh, over time. Uh, that in their um, shareholders' equity statement, a $20 billion of capital and a $13 billion deficit, an accumulated deficit of $13 billion. This is supposedly our most successful gold company has an accumulated deficit over the last whatever number of 30 years. And, of course, that's because of hedging. They got involved in hedging and lost huge on it. Of course, it wasn't ever reported kind of that way because it was slipped in on some, um, um, I think, the Placer amalgamation and some uh, big stock issue they did, and all of a sudden they took the right off in their hedge. But the hedge just slaughtered them. And uh, and even, you know, and now they have, I think, something like six or eight billion of equity and six or eight billion of debt. <laughs> so I'm kind of stunned when I look at these numbers. Man, that's really tough time turning those ships around. So another reason why I kind of like the smaller companies who are forced to be more responsible, quite frankly, because of the difficulties of raising funds, where it wasn't difficult for Newmont and Barrick to dig a hole for themselves. And, of course, most of them did by making silly acquisitions and taking on all of that. So um, it's going to be fun, I think, uh, the differentiation between the, the young, uh, younger, uh, fast-growing companies and uh, the lumbering guys whose production, for the most part, is going down. So... What's that play out? Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, haven't we? If, if you could survive the last three years and get lean and mean, you're probably pretty well set up to get cooking going forward. Oh, yeah. No, it could be fun. And it's been, it was amazing how the stocks rallied back after gold rallied on Wednesday. And hopefully with this rally we had today, uh, we might have the gold stocks closing at a record high here this afternoon. Yep. Speaking of rally today, let's, let's as our last topic, Eric, it discussed this month in, in hindsight, you know, we began July, everything was really looking good and then had a tough period of three weeks uh, headed toward August contract expiration. But now, even though it feels like it's been a tough month, gold is up well over $20 for the month. Silver's up almost $2 for the month. And the Huey index is, well, even before trading today, up 5 or 6% on the month. It felt like kind of a tough month, but I guess it wasn't, was it, Eric? <laughs> Well, it's the way it is when you're a gold investor, right? Because things go up sharply and down sharply. And there was one day, I think, when the uh, the stocks were probably down 5% in the day. Maybe that was Tuesday. Then the Wednesday, they go up 5%. And it's just so wild and crazy that it's it's hard to be comfortable and uh, because it, it is erratic. But the bottom line, as you're pointing out, is that, you know, the prices are up. Price of silver's done very well. Imagine if we have a, could have a ten percent month every month for the price of silver. I mean, that's a stunning. Imagine where you'd be in twelve months. Yes. So it's been good, and um, everything kind of hanging together. I think 
as uh, as we would have imagined it, Craig. So uh, I think you know people will start, particularly with these GDP numbers being as weak as they are. How can you expect earnings to go up when GDP is growing one point two percent? I mean, it's impossible. You just like getting trying to get blood out of a stone. So I think that it, it will take more and more people continually into the uh, precious metal space, the stocks, the physical metal. So uh, it should be a, should be a fun time here. And at the end of the day, Eric, do you, do you put much stock in seasonality? A lot of folks will talk about August and September being a good time to be in the metals. Do you do you put much stock in that? Well, I think the one thing you have to bear in mind is that the the Indian consumer comes back into the market, and that's a big big market. You know, when they're selling their religious festivals, they do a lot of buying and. Uh, India has been a little bit AWOL this year, you know, with the jewelry strike early in the year and the price going up. They don't like paying up for things. But, you know, when the, when these various festivals come along and you've got to spend, you've got to pay the price, okay? And and we could have hundreds of tons heading into um, into India now that might just be the tipping point for the supply-demand thing. Not that I think there's a shortage already, uh, but it'll just exacerbate it. So um, yeah, I think... Uh, it's a, a good time um, to, to be getting involved. And I think as we get towards year-end, and I know, uh, Craig, you've talked about this, I mean, all these institutions who've missed this 150% rally in gold, they're going to say, well, what am I going to show my my uh, investors at year-end, right? Am I going to pretend that I, uh, I'm going to show them that I didn't even play the biggest play in the market, or am I going to start to participate? So you have this, this tendency for them to want to start getting into this market, and that, of course, causes the a big rise as you approach your end. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got five months to go, and I look forward to visiting with you each week going forward, Eric. I'll give you the rest of this week off, however, and I'll look forward (laughs) to talking to you next Friday. Okay, man. You have a good one. All right. Thanks, Eric. And from all of us, from all of us, it's Broad Money News. Have a great weekend. 